Hello, hello, everyone. Hello. So we're finally on episode 69. Ooh. And I was going to bring to y'all the very spooky story of the Dybbuk box. But as I was doing the research, I came across... Or, well, as I was Googling, I came across mm-hmm. an article that was from this this past summer that basically the man that started the whole thing made it up. <gasps> so. <laughs> no. That's the worst. I That's the worst news I've ever heard. Yeah. So I do want to begin with that story that he says. But the main topic for this episode is going to be haunted and cursed objects. That sounds just as spooky. Okay, I was like, please tell me we haven't done those. We started to a little bit, but only for the 66th episode I touched on just a little bit of them. But I'm sure you didn't do the same ones. I remembered some of the ones that you've talked about. Um, There's some that I hadn't even heard of before. But um, Oh, yeah, there's plenty. Okay, so, oh, <laughs> here we go, it's still on my phone. I was like, where the fuck was that? It, it just has disappeared. It's gone. <laughs> it's cursed. Stop it. Okay, so the story of the Dybbuk box. So this is from InputMag.com. Okay. Okay. So... The man that started the whole thing, his name is Kevin Manis. I think it's Manis. Manis might be Manis, but I'm going to say Manis. So um, according to him, whenever this whole thing began, he said it was was 2001 Mm -hmm. and he was out at a garage sale or a yard sale and he was looking for supplies for his furniture restoration business and this was in Portland, Oregon Mm -hmm. and he said that he came across this old wine cabinet and the yard sale was hosted by the, uh, the granddaughter of a recently deceased Holocaust survivor named Havela I think that's mm-hmm. it. But um, okay, so he gave this whole like backstory on her and how she had had her parents, brothers, sister, and husband, and her two sons and daughters that were all killed in concentration camps. And she was the only survivor and she fled to Spain and she lived there till the end of the war. And mm-hmm. then she lived to be 103, but before that, she had immigrated to the United States and the wine cabinet was one of only three items she brought with her. So he says that he bought the thing and the granddaughter said that the grandma had kept it shut and out of reach because there was a Dybbuk, which is in Jewish folklore, an evil, restless spirit that possesses the living that was inside of the cabinet. So so he told she told him not to ever open it. And of course, he said that he didn't listen and he opened it and he opens it and there was two U.S. wheat pennies dating to 1925 and 1928, two locks of hair, mm. a dry 
a dried rosebud, a four-legged candlestick, a golden wine cup, and a granite sculpture inscribed with the Hebrew word shalom. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Shema, a prayer considered to be one of the most important in Judaism, was carved on the back of the cabinet. So he decides that he's going to give the box to his mother on Halloween. Mm. And the he they actually on a show called Paranormal Witness. I think I actually mm. watched that episode. Oh. They have his mother on there, and she describes feeling a cold breeze from the box as she opened its doors, and then experiencing pure evil coming out. And then she immediately had a stroke. Yes. Okay. So over the course of two years, a number of other things started happening, and um, people were complaining of like odd smells coming from the box. It smelled like cat urine and jasmine. And then him and his siblings kept having the same recurring nightmare of an old woman with sunken eyes. And he said, most disturbingly, the brother of a store employee at his store Mm -hmm. died by suicide shortly after visiting the shop and knocking the cabinet off the shelf. And then a couple years later, the worker himself also took his own life. So he tries to give the box to his then girlfriend, but she was like, fuck that you take it back so he that's whenever he decided to list it on ebay in 2003 and he gives this lengthy detailed description basically saying what i had just what i just finished saying Mm -hmm. and he dubbed the item uh dybbuk box Mm -hmm. and then towards the end of the description he says help me like he wanted someone to just take it off his hands right so he sold the thing to a man named oh i guess it doesn't say okay so yeah it doesn't say who the man was but eventually it gets to a man named jason haxton and he wrote a book about the box (laughs) um him and kevin were there were consultants for the movie The Possession because The Possession is based on that whole story. Yeah. So both of them were used as consultants on the film. And um, even the people that made the film were like really weird stuff started happening and like all this weird shit. And then for it was like five years worth of like this shit was like a hot commodity for five years after that around that time it like the dybbuk box was like everywhere like it was dybbuk fever right and and it made it even crazier because of course fucking zach beanbag um had it on his show so in 2016 that jason haxton sold the box to Zach for some neither party is willing to reveal. And so, yeah, he featured it. Oh, he featured both Kevin and Jason on an episode of Ghost Adventures Deadly Possessions, which is also known as Ghost Adventures Artifacts. I don't know why there's two names. Okay. Hmm. Last year, the now 44-year-old Baggins beanbag opened the box on an episode Hmm. of Ghost Adventures Quarantine. He supposedly heard it say Kevin, referencing Manus, the first man, and evil. And then he heard a child's voice. The show captured on camera what Baggins and his crew claimed was a figure that manifested inside the box. The highlight of the episode, however, at least from the media standpoint, was security camera footage 
of Zach and his friend, the musician Post Malone, touching the closed debate box prior to Baggins opening it. And apparently once uh, Post Malone did that, he didn't even really touch the box. He had he was touching Zach and Zach touched the box. Yeah. But apparently that was enough to fuck with him. So he said that in the ensuing months, his private plane was forced to make an emergency landing. His home was broken into and he was involved in a car accident. And he said all of this on a late night TV show. Mm-hmm. So all of these things, it's like a huge thing, right? Go in- it was a coincidence. Listen to this. The <laughs> Okay, so... There's been, like, other people that try – there's been, like, over the years, people have been trying to, like, debunk in shit or whatever, you know, like, call, call Kevin out on his shit. Mm-hmm. And apparently there was a screenshot from October 24th, 2015 from Kevin Manis' Facebook, and he said, I'm the original creator of the story of the Dybbuk box, which appeared as one of my eBay posts back in 2003. The idea that Dybbuk boxes have some kind of history prior to my story. The idea that Dybbuk boxes have some kind of history prior to my story. And the idea that a Dybbuk box can contain anything other than a Dybbuk, along with any deviation to the type of content contents I created to be found inside of a Dybbuk box, is laughable at best. How about this? If you or anyone else can find any reference to a Dybbuk, box anywhere in history prior to my ebay post i'll pay you one hundred thousand dollars and tattoo your name on my forehead Mm -hmm. so that's not it that's not all okay so he then apparently he takes that back like that what he said he wouldn't that wasn't true and uh, Mm. that he just said that shit like he just made that up um so then the author of this article went on reddit and he asked users in various paranormal subreddits about it about the dybbuk box and responses that he got one of the responses that he got was there are only 10 authentic and original dybbuk boxes created ever the term dybbuk box was never used or known prior to 2001 i was the original owner you may contact me and ask any questions you might have answers about Dybbuk boxes, my experience with them or anything related from anyone else are probably a bunch of crap. So that guy was like, what the fuck is this, Kevin? So <laughs> so he didn't hear back from that. Like he messaged him. He didn't hear back from that person. So then he went and he found him on Facebook and he messaged him and Kevin agreed to a phone call. So they talk on the phone and at first he was saying that that it wasn't made up that oh my god that it was okay so at first he says that there's no such thing as a dybbuk box in jewish folklore and explains to me that the origin and meaning of the hebrew word dybbuk mean which essentially is a spirit that cleaves onto the soul of another living being is kind of an oxymoron he says dybbuks don't live in boxes so a dybbuk box by definition doesn't make any sense this confuses Mm -hmm. me so is there or isn't there a Dybbuk box? So the whole thing was made up, I ask. The whole backstory of it coming from a Holocaust survivor. And then Kevin's like, no, 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 I'm not saying that. And he explains the term <gasps> Dybbuk box came from the Holocaust Holocaust survivor who somehow like imprinted this wine cabinet with supernatural powers and that her granddaughter used the term when he bought it from her in 2001. 
But as he's telling him that story, he starts stumbling over his words and then quickly changes the subject. Oh, my God. They continue to talk about stuff because they're both Jewish or whatever. And then he agrees to talk to – or Kevin agrees to talk to him again at another time, whatever. Well, like an hour later – he sends him a face Kevin sends him a Facebook message and is telling him how great it was to talk and offers any assistance with the article whatever and it says he encourages me to ask him difficult questions to back him into a corner and even tells him, tells me not to be afraid to call him on bullshit if I think there's something he's not telling me. It's as if he's prodding me to get the truth out of him. Mm. So then, so it says, the next time I talk to Manis, I take him up on his advice. I call him on his bullshit. And that's when he tells me everything he wrote in his 2003 eBay listing is a work of fiction. He said, (gasps) I'm a creative writer. The Dybbuk Box is a story that I created. And the Dybbuk Box story has done exactly what I intended it to do when I posted it 20 years ago. Which is what I ask him which is to become an interactive horror story in real time, he said. Though Manis did buy the wine cabinet at a yard sale, it was from an attorney, not the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor. The carving in the back of it is my carving, he said. The stone that was in the box is something that is a signature creation of mine also. Make no mistake, I conceived of the Dybbuk box, the name, the term, the idea, and wrote this creative story around it to post on eBay. And then one of and then the uh, the guy that wrote the article said I verified with two of his friends Kurt Morris and Matthew Christensen who worked with Manis at a bar called Club Underground in Oregon at the time that he was concocting his story and the hair in the Dybbuk box is the hair of Matthew Christensen. Oh my gosh, big phony. Yeah. So he said, Kevin, or uh, Kurt Morris said, Kevin is one of the most brilliant people that I've ever met. The specific box was Kevin at a low point needing some money. And in his brilliant mind came up with an incredible story that he knew he could sell. And it became the phenomenon that is now. Oh, goodness. Um, He says, uh, Kevin says that it wasn't money issues that motivated him, but relationship problems with his girlfriend and a host of other bad luck events. He says he channeled all of that negative energy into his tall tale. At the time I created the divot box, it was during the day of atonement. I created the box whilst praying and asking for forgiveness for all of the sins that I had committed that I knew about. And perhaps even more important, the sins I had committed that I didn't know about. Uh, but he said not everything was fake. He did give the box to his mother on Halloween. Hmm. And and she did have a stroke. <laughs> Jeez, he manifests. He put his sins in that box. That's right. what gave her the stroke. So then he asked him, he asked Kevin, like, well, then what the fuck was her interview on Paranormal Witness? And he's like, it was an outstanding bit of motherly support and an Oscar winning performance. <sighs> and she's she recovered from her stroke um but then she ended up dying but he said i didn't talk to her or coach her or commiserate with her before she did her interview but she just she knew what to say and then he also said that the suicides of the shop uh worker and his brother were real although they may not have been Author of the article says that he wasn't able to verify those events, but that's what he told him. 
So (laughs) whenever he does ask Jason Haxton, the guy that wrote the book about it, like what he thought about uh, Kevin saying this shit now. And he said, okay, so yeah, he was saying that he doesn't know if that's true or not, but that either way, he thinks that Kevin unknowingly like cursed that box himself that's what i was gonna ask and that's and that's what he says that's why it's doing what it's doing well then (laughs) the author of this article fucking talks to zach beanbag Mm -hmm. and he it says Baggins has been accused in the past of dramatizing, even fabricating paranormal events in his shows. Okay, so then Kevin says that while shooting Ghost Adventures Deadly Possessions, he wasn't giving clear instructions as what to expect. And after he got mic'd up, he told uh, he was told to go take a look at the debit box. So he's waiting and waiting, and he thinks maybe they've got like some technical issue or something. And so apparently he back in portland he was supposed to do some spoken word performance featuring some children's poems and one of the Mm -hmm. poems was called the shadow man so he decides that he's going to run his lines in a british accent while he's (laughs) waiting there and he said i forgot that i was wired for sound but like of course whatever so when the show aired they edited they edited it to make it look like it was part of what was happening with the Divic box. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've been fooled. I've been tricked. Yeah. Okay. So it says on Tuesday, I emailed uh, Baggins who is, it's not Baggins. It's Baggins. <laughs> Either way. Bagel boy. Beanbag. Okay. I emailed Beanbag <laughs> who initially declined <laughs> to be interviewed for his piece for this piece uh, via haunted museum representative. To inform him of Manus's confession. This set off a flurry of communications between the two men that I later became privy to. So then Kevin messages the author of the article via Facebook to say that he'd gotten a call from Beanbag. Mm -hmm. And he said, not good. He writes, not happy. And you won't believe the shit happening now around me. Seriously, like I'm getting bombarded with the curse. He then lists the events that have happened to him in the last week, including his car breaking down, his girlfriend leaving him, his mother dying, and two of his friends passing away. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into the rest of the stuff that has occurred over the last seven days, he said, but it's striking to say the least, and it keeps on coming. Mm-hmm. So later, he the author hears from uh, Zach via email, and he finally, like it was supposed to be him, but he finally says, since owning the Divic box, there have been countless documented experiences people have had with it. Not just from myself, but my museum staff, my fellow crew members, visitors, and most notably, Post Malone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Austin. His name's Austin. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's Most like, notably, that is Post Malone. Like, that is the fucking funniest thing ever. <laughs> That's like going into, like, trying to get into a club, and they're like, I know Beyonce, okay? <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> oh, um, goodness. Okay, so then it says, he he also claimed that multiple guests have been severely affected in the Dybbuk Box room in his museum, 
and some of them escorted out on a stretcher by EMT personnel. Mm. He said, I don't believe this to be the full truth. He cites some of the things that he also tells him, he like reiterates what happened to Kevin in the week before or whatever. And he says, I think there's so much more to the Dybbuk box. And regardless of its origins, it's very much cursed and evil. I'm not surprised that more controversy and conflict keep arising from it. The Dybbuk box has always raised questions and intrigue, and this adds to its narrative. So. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, curse has got to start somehow. I mean, that's true. And he also, he went on to say the Dybbuk box has been the focus of books, a major motion picture, and TV shows. There is more to this powerful cursed item. Its story is still being told. Calm down. I can just picture well, him like trying to write that email and like Aaron's behind him and he's like, oh, that's good. That's good, dude. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> but I mean, honestly, if you think about it this way, his success garnered from the story in a way almost reminds me of like when people use magic to like get what they want. Uh-huh. And uh, and then they get money and all these riches and stuff, but the cur- there's a curse now. Oh Hello? yeah, it's like the. God damn so what it. if he did? What if he did create a curse, and that's why he's so successful now? His luck. He was in complete despair, down on his luck, made the story up, and inadvertently it like created all the success around him maybe not because the story was like so great but maybe because of the curse that yeah, he made maybe. or the spell he did or whatever yeah i mean i feel like he didn't even need to do a spell he was praying and going on about his shit he was basically like you're supposed to whenever you are like grounding yourself you need to have like a clear quartz crystal well instead of that he had the box in his hand Right. And he used hair and like religious stuff. Like that's not something you just mess around with. He could have accidentally conjured something for real. Right. He I'm surprised that he's not haunted by a Holocaust survivor right now. That's what I'm saying. He should feel guilty for that putting that part in to spice it up. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. But you know. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah. Every single one of those guys that I was just talking about, uh, except for the person that wrote the article are I just keep getting some douche canoe vibes from him. But Posty. Except for him. He's just an innocent child. <laughs> He's a grown ass man. He was all scared. And he shit. just had bad luck. He does get scared. I like watching the episodes that he does like ghost hunting shit. <laughs> he, um, he even took, um, I don't know if you're familiar with H3, the people on YouTube, Ethan Klein and Ela, they they went on a little ghost hunting trip with Post Malone, and he takes that shit very seriously. Mm-hmm. He was the one telling telling these YouTubers like, "Hey, you know, stop laughing, be quiet, let's focus." Oh. So I was like, "Okay, he's he's actually interested in the paranormal. He's I'm not surprised. being like joking around. Why he believes we... genuinely." Oh wait, never mind. Zach doesn't laugh. He just gets a little carried away. He just asserts his man manhood. Yeah, to fucking ghosts. Like, really? Little girl ghosts that are yeah. just like... <laughs> Come out here now! They're like, you came into my space, homie. Like, Yeah, like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you yelling? Laughing at him? <laughs> yeah, they're all like, what the fuck is this bro doing here? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, so, now we begin... Officially? Mm, yes, officially. That was 25 minutes of pure horror, but okay. 
Fraud. Yes. Um, okay, so the Talman bunk beds. This is fucking mm. weird. So in 1986, Deborah and Alan Tolman moved with their young children into a house on, on Larrabee Street in Horicon, Wisconsin. In 1987, they bought a secondhand set of bunk beds for their kids for $100. But by 1988, they had moved out of the house and had and buried the bunk beds in a landfill where they hoped no one would ever set eyes on them again. When they bought the bunk beds home, you see, they brought more than just a piece of furniture with them. They brought in something else, something that terrorized them for months. They began seeing strange shapes in their home, hearing voices that didn't belong to any of the Tallmans themselves, fighting with clock radios that kept changing channels by themselves, and furniture that moved when no one was looking and jumping out of their skins with fright when an apparition, apparition of an old woman appeared without warning about mm-hmm. half a year after they bought the bunk brought the bunk beds home the tallmans had had enough they got rid of the beds said deborah tallman to upi at the time I don't, the beds were buried saturday in a landfill where nobody will ever build they took them out there and plowed them under then they mm. put the house up for sale but although no other residents at the house ever reported any supernatural activity the period in the late 80s during which the Tallmans lived at the address stuck with them. Deborah Tallman said after they moved out, I think it's going to be a long time before things get back to normal. I cannot sit at home at night and be afraid of the dark. The beds, as far as anyone knows, have never been unearthed, but they, but that doesn't mean that they aren't still there, waiting, waiting for the next family to take them home. Uh... Oh, Isn't that Lord. Weird? Like, how did you figure out that it was the beds? I guess because that was the most the most recent thing that had been changed or different or new yeah. when that stuff started happening. I, I do pay a little extra. Yeah, I was going to say, I pay a little extra attention to my surroundings after I bring something home from the thrift store. I'll tell you that. I try not to think about it. <laughs> right. I don't know how to cleanse things yet, but once I figure that out, I'll be doing that probably. Ooh, spooky. The haunted mirror of the Myrtles Plantation. Possibly Ooh. the most well-known of the Myrtles, supposed ghost, uh, Chloe, was reportedly mm. a slave owned by Clark and Sarah Woodruff. According to one story, Clark Woodruff had pressured or forced uh, Chloe into being his mistress. Other mm-hmm. versions of the legend have Chloe listening in at keyholes to learn news of Clark Woodruff's business dealings or mm-hmm. for other purposes. After being caught either by Clark or Sarah Woodruff, one of her ears was cut off. And oh so God. she wore a green turban to hide it. Mm. Chloe supposedly baked a cake containing extract of boiled and reduced oleander leaves which are extremely poisonous. Mm. The various legends diverge as to why she did this. A housemaid who was getting the favor of the mistress was a suspect with some saying that she was getting revenge on the Woodruffs and some saying she was attempting to redeem her position by curing the family of the poisoning. According to the Mm. legends, her plan backfired. Only Sarah and her two daughters ate the cake and all died from the poison. Chloe was then supposedly hanged by the other slaves and thrown into the Mississippi River. 
Why the fuck? Mm. Oh, either as punishment or to escape punishment by Clark Woodruff for harboring her. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's sad. I know. The historical record does not support this legend. There is no record of the Woodruffs owning a slave named Chloe or any slaves. <laughs> the legends usually claim that Sarah and her two daughters were poisoned, but Mary Octavia, which was one of the daughters, uh, survived well into adulthood. Finally, mm. Sarah, James, and Cornelia Wood- Woodruff were not killed by poisoning, but instead succumbed to yellow fever. Mm. Regardless of the factual accuracy of Chloe's story, some believe a woman wearing a green turban haunts the plantation. A mirror located in the house supposedly holds the spirits of Sarah and her two, and two of her children. According mm. to custom, mirrors are covered after de- after a death, but legend says that after the poisoning of the Woodruffs, this particular mirror was overlooked. The uncovered mirror reportedly trapped the spirits of Sarah and her children who are occasionally seen or leaving handprints in the mirror. Oh. Mm. That's fucking creep. I don't, mirrors scare the absolute shit out of me sometimes. Same. They just, they're portals. I mean, what can you do? We've talked about how I have two mirrors facing each other in the bathroom, right? Yes. Wait, you don't ever see anything? Do you look into into one? I try not to, but sometimes I can't help it. Like, when I'm doing my hair and I check the back of my hair to see. Oh, it, yeah. I try not to look too long because I'm like, if I turn, if the fucking reflection of me behind He's me looking turns at around, you. I'm going to fucking ah. lose my shit. I'm scared. No, for real. <laughs> yes. Uh. So fuck all of that. What if you get a, what if you get a mirror from the thrift shop? How do you feel about that? I would never, ever do that. Mm. I'm scared. Never. Okay, so next is, whoo, oh no, it's barely 6.30, why? <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> I'm fucking old. No. Next is Valentino's Cursed Ring. You mm. didn't do this one, right? I don't think so. This ring comes with a long series of misfortunes. In 1920, movie star Rudolph Valentino bought a plain silver ring embedded with many precious stones from a jewelry store in San Francisco. He immediately fell in love with the ring and ignored the store owner's warnings that he believed it was haunted. Valentino wore the ring while filming a movie that was a complete failure. Mm -hmm. After putting away the ring for many years, Valentino took it out for what would be his final movie. He died shortly after still wearing the ring. So then it was passed along to Paola Negri, one of Valentino's former lovers who suffered a severe illness but recovered. However, her career after this illness was over and she passed the ring on to a young singer, Russ Colombo, who died in a shooting accident after. Mm. Next, Colombo's friend Joe Casino wore the ring and died in a car accident one week later. James Willis attempted to steal the ring, but was caught by by police and shot. Mm. So the list apparently goes on, but at least uh, three more people who owned the ring died while it was in their possession. Mm -mm. That's fucking creepy. For real. Okay, this next one, the Anguished Man painting. Did you do that one? I think I 
I know that you did the crying boy. No, no, no. Yeah, I did the crying boy and the hands, uh, something. Yes. It no, I saw kid at the, It had the kid at the yes. door. Yes. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next is the Anguished Man painting. Sean Robinson received the painting from his grandmother, who claimed a spirit lived within it. Since, since Sean didn't believe in the paranormal, he brushed off the claims. Then, after hanging the painting in his home, his wife began seeing dark figures lurking around the home. Strange noises came from the painting like scratching and what sounded like a man crying. Oh, hell no. Sean's former opinion of the paranormal shifted and he posted YouTube videos of the paranormal activity that the English mm. man was exhibiting. I didn't go watch these, but if anybody does, you need hey. to tell me if it's scary. I'm going to watch them. Okay, so the the Koninor, I probably am saying that very wrong. The Koinor, I think it's Koinor, the Koinor diamond, allegedly stolen from the god Krishna, the Koinor diamond, which means mountain of light, boasts an impressive 109 carats and a deadly mm-hmm. price for any man who owns it. The curse dates back to a Hindu text from 1303. He who owns the diamond will own the world, but will also know all its misfortunes. Only God or a woman can wear it with impunity. Ooh. Mm. Uh, according we're to safe. Lo- we're safe. Yes. Yeah, we're safe. Uh, I'm a goddess, so. Yee. <laughs> Double safe. Double safe. So according to lore, the rulers who have owned the Koninor, Kony Island. <laughs> An extra long coney from Sonic. Oh my god, that sounds really good. With a large big red and tater tots. Ooh. Oh my god, yes. Okay, so okay, I'm just gonna the rulers who have owned the diamond lived lives of violence, murder, and torture. The British royal family has owned the diamond since the reign of Queen Victoria. Where of the legendary curse, the royals have always willed the diamond to the male heir to the British throne and none of them have had it Ooh. or well not none of them but that's why that's why the queen is still alive oh geez you think <laughs> here it is okay so then next is James Dean's car yes little bastard we haven't done this one right I think we did I think we did too. We did. Yes. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Have I done cursed objects before? Did you? I thought I did. We both did. What if people are like, this is the third time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, so just. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Disregard. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay, okay. The next one I know that we have not done. Okay. Okay. The Bulgarian phone number. Okay. 
someone's gonna say you did I'm that one in episode <laughs> i know for real like forever ago well it's a reminder this is a reminder episode a refresher we've been gone for a while right? <laughs> yes stay uncursed <laughs> okay avoid these items <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> and I cannot stress this enough <laughs> I'm dying okay so <clears throat> the Bulgarian phone number okay there is a Bulgarian phone number mm-hmm. the number is 359-888-888 which was in use for 10 years and is now closed the reason be- behind deactivating the number lies in the death of those of the three people who used it. All of the mm. owners of this number died shortly after getting the number registered in their name. The first owner died of cancer while the other two were shot down without any solid motives. That's just mm. a weird ass coincidence, really. I don't know. I don't know. Is there such thing as coincidences? Don't start with me. Who the fuck says that? <laughs> There's a uh, I think it's like there was like a TikTok of a guy who was like, "There's no such thing as a coincidence." Yeah, but someone s- says it in something. God damn it, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so the Hope Diamond, uh, another cursed item that must be kept away from human reach, is the Hope Diamond. This phone, fo- FOMO, fear of missing out. This famous jewel is of an unusually large size with a soothing blue shade, and it's worth $250 million. However, the diamond is believed to be cursed since the 17th century and brings great misfortune and misery to its wearer. Folklore state that a French merchant plucked the gem from one of the eyes of a Hindu idol in 1653 mm. and ever since then whoever owns this 115 carat blue diamond opens the door for bad luck mm. um, <clears throat> I hope that you didn't do this one the Belcourt castle chairs I don't think so no <clears throat> so this former summer cottage in Rhode Island has a ballroom where you will find haunted chairs Visitors have reported feeling chills racing up and down their spine while standing near the chairs or having felt a strange sensation of energy around them. Others have reportedly Mm. been pushed down from the chairs by an unseen force. Mm. That's fucking scary. Can you imagine? They're like, get out of my chair. Can you imagine? I'm clueless. You fucking get to this place exhausted from traveling to get there and then you fucking pop down in this chair and some fucking ghost is like, get the fuck out of here yeah who do you think you are <laughs> you just fall to the oh hell Jesus. Mm. okay the screaming skull Ooh. so the burton agnes hall in burton agnes england is home to a creepy paranormal object called the screaming skull the screaming skull is believed to be of Catherine ann griffith who died in the same house from injuries she received uh, during an attack by highwaymen in 1620. Uh, she asked her sisters to sever her head when she died and c- keep it in the house. 
but her Ugh. sisters were like, fuck all of that, and they buried her <laughs> body, head, and all. Uh-oh. Within days of the burial, frightening activity engulfed Burton Agnes Hall. Family and servants reported coming face-to-face with the grim specter of Anne Griffiths. What the? The ghost appeared bloodied and battered, uh, relentlessly haunting the house and terrifying any unlucky enough to cross her path. Not mm. only would her angry wraith be seen stalking the halls, but she delighted in slamming doors, banging on walls, and screaming at all hours of the night. Anne's sister mm. knew something had to be done, so they consulted the wise counsel of the clergy as to what course of action they should take. And they said to listen to their tale of supernatural... No, no, they said that um, the only solution they should do is do what the fuck she said to do. Like, put her head back in there. I wonder why. So, um, they had to exhume her remains and bring her head into the home. Oh, okay. So, she, like, loved the fuck out of this house. Like, it was being built as she was, I guess, growing up. But she Mm. loved that house. And so, she didn't get to live in it for very long before she died. So she mm-hmm. wanted to stay there, and apparently just her head. Yeah, Damn, I don't, I don't know. So, so yeah, they brought her head into the home. The sisters were desperate to rid themselves of Anne's ghost and did what uh, the clergy told them to do. Almost immediately, mm. the activity ceased. The ghost of their younger <sighs> sister was appeased and vanished, but only for a time. Oh, over the years, they have there have been a number of attempts to rid the house of the grotesque relic. Among them, the skull has been thrown away or buried in the garden, and each time the frightening apparition of Anne appears in her bloodied gown, once again mm. screaming that her skull be returned to where it belongs immediately. Oh my gosh. The skull is said to still remain in the house, hidden away somewhere from, from those who would seek to unsettle it. Knowing full well right. if, the skull sh- if the skull should ever be disturbed, they would incur the wrath of Anne Griffiths. that's creepy yeah I would say just like taxidermy me or something but not just take my head dang yeah wouldn't that be crazy if you could like be taxidermied and you're just like sitting in your favorite chair or something that's creepy as fuck forever and ever and always like a wax figure Ooh, scary you could just tell people it's wax so that they leave it alone until someone accidentally like breaks your hand off or something, they're like, "It's real." Ooh, just like in the movie, House of yeah, Wax. House of Wax. Ooh, the conjure chest. Hold on, I got burp. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, there it is. Okay, you had to conjure that one. <laughs> <laughs> Rise up <laughs> when I have heartburn. <laughs> oh, there comes another one. That's me. I have to conjure it up with some tums. Okay, so the conjure chest. More than 150 years ago on a large plantation near Frankfurt in... Oh my god, that's what I call Franklin! Oh, I call him that sometimes too. (laughs) I also call him Finkland and Cranklin. (laughs) That's so cute! (laughs) Uh, Okay, Frankfurt in Kentucky. Jacob Cooley ordered his African-American slave, Hosey... I'm pretty sure it's Hosea. It's H-O-S-E-A. Halsey. Halsey. I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> I was going to say Hosea. <laughs> Hosanna in the highest. That's what I thought. <laughs> My mom loves that song. Oh, God. That reminds me of the fucking the church that we used to go to in the hood. Ooh, they loved that song. St. Mary's? No, not here in fucking Del Rio. Oh, just kidding. That was my that was my church. It was uh Guadalupe Church. See, real Mexican. Oh dang, yeah. yes. Okay, so okay, yes. Uh Cooley ordered his African American slave Hosi to build a chest for his first child. The chest mm. was beautifully carved, however, Jacob Cooley was not happy with the results and beat his slave to a pulp, killing him. Oh my god. Yeah. Cooley's other slaves vowed to avenge the death of their friend and sprinkled the dry blood of an owl in the chest and had a conjure man curse the chest. Hmm. All of those associated with the chest would fall within the curse's evil power. Although Jacob Cooley himself evidently escaped the malevolence, his descendants were not as fortunate. Despite apparently Hmm. despising the chest, he still put it in his unborn child's room. His son was born, but died just a few days after his birth. How does that make any sense? Also, that's a little dramatic. Yeah. The chest was moved into his second son's room, and he was later stabbed to death by a servant. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Jacob Cooley had a third son, John, who inherited one of his father's many plantations. The young man led a happy, happy life until a young woman came into his life. Ellie and John were soon married, despite him being nearly three years. Three times her age. Jesus. Ew. The couple inherited the conjure chest. Knowing of the previous tragedies, she put the chest in the attic. Around the same time, Jacob Cooley's youngest daughter, Melinda, eloped with an Irishman named Sean. With nowhere to live, Melinda turned to Ellie. John and Ellie had done well and had acquired several farms in Tennessee. They turned over one of them, one of these to Sean and Melinda to work. While Melinda bore a brood of children and worked from sunrise to sunset, Sean came to loathe the dullness of farm life. To try to bring some beauty into Melinda's dreary existence, Ellie set the, sent the chest to the farm. What? She knew. She sent out their misery. Mm-hmm. It had been in the attic for a long time and nothing had happened. Oh, okay. Within days, Sean deserted his wife for the bright lights of New Orleans. Melinda was dis... What? Displeased? No, dis... Concerted? I don't know. My eyes are literally crossing. Um, No. She was upset. (laughs) (laughs) She took to her bed and soon died. An exhausted, gray-haired woman, barely out of her 30s. Damn, that sounds like what I look like waking up. (laughs) (laughs) Another glorious morning. (laughs) Makes me sick. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, shortly after that, Sean, being in fucking New Orleans was struck in the head by a steamboat's gangplank and died. (laughs) Jeez. The couple left many orphan children, and John Cooley was given the job of assigning the youngsters to their other family members. 
John took the youngest, Evelyn, to live with his own family in Kentucky. Little Evelyn grew into a beautiful and intelligent young woman. When she turned 16, she passed an examination that that provided her with a teaching certificate, and she took over a one-room schoolhouse. She met and married Scotsman Malcolm Johnson barely two months after she began teaching. As a wedding present, Ellie, Mm. pinche Ellie, Mm -mm -mm. presented them with Jacob Cooley's handsome chest. Evelyn had children and even adopted a young girl named Arabella, and the curse was all but forgotten. However, after Arabella married some years later, Evelyn put the girl's wedding dress in the chest shortly after Mm. Arabella's husband died. No. Arabella's child died after her baby clothes had been put in the chest. OMG. Three other tragedies befell Evelyn's immediate family, yet Malcolm was a success. He turned a shrewd Scottish eye into a booming business empire that at its height consisted of mills, houses, a coal yard, wharf, and dry goods store. Malcolm was an extraordinarily wealthy man when he died, but despite her comfortable surroundings, Evelyn was haunted by the memories of those around her who were struck down or stricken in some way by hardship. Eventually, she took her own life. Dang. Then the chest was inherited by Virginia Carey Hudson. Miss Hudson's Miss Hudson thought tales of the curse were hearsay. She was wrong. Her first baby's clothes were put in the chest, and then she died. Mm-hmm. Another child's clothes were tucked in a drawer and she contracted infantile paralysis. Jesus. A third daughter's wedding dress was stored there and her first husband ran off. Uh, A son was stabbed in the hand whilst he had clothes in the chest. That one sounds like a little bit of a reach. (laughs) Um, I stubbed my toe when I put my clothes in the chest. A friend of the family put hunting clothes in it. He was shot in a hunting accident. Oy. 16 victims, all of whom had one thing in common. Some of their personal clothing had been put in the conjure chest. Mm. Mrs. Hudson wanted to put an end to the curse. She found that she had she found what she had hoped would be the solution in the form of an old friend of hers, an African-American woman named Annie. Annie understood curses and conjures. The spell cast by Hosey's faithful companions would be broken only when three conditions were met. First, Miss Hudson would have to be given a dead owl without her having to ask for one. (laughs) Oh, my God. Second, the green leaves of a willow tree had to be boiled from sunup to sundown. Uh, The dead owl had to remain in sight. Third, Mm. the boiled liquid was then to be buried in a jug with its handle facing east towards the rising sun below a flowering bush. Wow. A stuffed owl was given to Miss Hudson's son by by a friend accomplishing the first requirement. Miss Hudson plucked leaves from a nearby willow tree and boiled them in a large black pot. The owl kept watching or kept watch from a kitchen counter. At dusk, mm. old Annie and Miss Hudson took the jug and its handle point, pointed east, buried it beneath a flowering lilac bush outside the kitchen window. The kitchen window. Kitchen. 
Uh, Annie said they would only know if the curse had been broken if one of them died before. <laughs> if one of them died before the first full day of fall. I'd be like, bitch, you should have told me that before we did all this shit. For real, why bother now? <laughs> so then Mm-mm. Annie died in early September the 17th, the last known victim. No. And that's sad. Yeah, um, for real. The final private owner of the conjure chest with Miss was Miss Hudson's daughter, Virginia C. Maine. Miss Maine donated it to the Kentucky History Museum in 1976. Supposedly, the curse has been removed, but tucked safely in the top chest drawer is an envelope containing owl feathers. The museum isn't taking any chances. Hell no. Mm-mm. Spooky. Okay, I got just a couple more. Okay, the cursing stone from the this is just really fucked up. But um, <clears throat> from the 13th to the 17th century, life in Scotland and I'm sure in a lot of other places was hard. Apart from the usual suspects of short life expectancy, infant mortality, poor land that makes substance almost impossible, and disease, there was the added risk of being murdered or beaten while having your livestock rustled and having. Your money, supplies, and occasionally relatives stolen by your fractitious neighbors. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I said that first word wrong, but whatever. These neighbors and robbers were known as the border. They had to pay the king for their land. Border reavers. 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 Like a a little swine. <laughs> it came out too perfect. That's <laughs> oh shit. Um. Okay. These neighbors and robbers were known as the border reavers. Well, the then Archbishop of okay. Well, the then Archbishop of Glasgow. Right? Fuck. Did I do it? Yes. Okay. It was that. Okay, Glasgow. Uh, Gavin Dunbar carved a curse in a stone. This was to blight the border reavers. Like he, and like whenever I say curse, he like went into extreme detail. This motherfucking Mm. curse is like 20 pages long. But I do want to say the first verse just so y'all can get an idea of how fucked this dude was. Mm. Okay, so he says, I curse their head and all the hairs of their head. I curse their face, their brain, their innermost thoughts, their mouth, their nose, their tongue, their teeth, their forehead, their shoulder, their breasts, their heart, their stomach, their back, their womb, their arms, their legs, their hands, their feet, and every part of their body from the top of their head to the soles of their feet before and behind within and without. Whoa, yeah. Glasgow is very thorough. Yeah, so it, yeah, he did that. And the list, the shit goes on. Like, it's exactly like that. Like, he just goes every bead of sweat and every grain of salt, dude, for real. Mm-hmm. So, apparently, this rock is on display in um, Scotland. So, there's a walkway that leads to where the stone is. And in this walkway, there's last names carved into the fucking walls. 
Mm-hmm. Like last names of the people that were the border reavers. And wow. do you want me to list off the last names? Yeah, I sure, if you want to. Cool. We'll just go through a little bit because there's a lot. Um, Anderson, Armstrong, Beatty, Bell, Blackadder, Bromfeld, Burns, Carlisle, Carn- Carnaby, Carr, um, Collingwood, Cranston, Croc, and some of these I don't fucking know how to say. Davison, Dixon, Dodd, Douglas, Dunn, Elliot, Fenwick, Forrester, Graham, Gray, Hall, Harden, Henderson, Heron. Dang. Yeah, it's Hunter, Irvin, Jameson, Jarden, Johnston, Kerr, Laidlaw, Latimer, Little, Maxwell, Medford, Melbourne, Mitford, Musgrave, Nixon, Noble, Ogle. Oliver. <laughs> whose name? First of all, whose name is Ogle? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, listen to this. Potts and Pringle. <laughs> and fucking Radcliffe. Uh-oh. Reed. We're in trouble now. <laughs> Reed, Ridley, Robson, Ro- Rotledge, um, Rutherford, Scott, Simpson, Stamper, Stamp, Stapleton, Story, Taylor, Tate, Thompson, Thomas, Trotter, Turnbill, Turner, Wake, Wilkinson, Wilson, Witherington, Yarrow, and Young. Dang. There's wow. more that I couldn't fucking pronounce on a whim. But yeah, dude, all of these fucking last names are carved into the Cursed. walkway leading to the curse. I hope my boys, uh, Brian Cranston and Stuart Little, are good. (laughs) 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 There's several people that I know that. Daniel Radcliffe, everybody's crying for Harry Mm -hmm. Potter now. Is it the new Harry Potter coming out? No. I could swear. Um, I think it's Mm -hmm. like a rumor right now. He's in there, whatever's going on. But anywho, all right. Okay, next is the haunted pillar. Mm. Standing ominously on an otherwise unremarkable corner on Augusta, Georgia's historic Broad Street is a sinister haunted pillar. The 10-foot-tall concrete pillar is the final remaining piece of a farmer's market that stood on the corner in the 1800s. According to local legend, a street preacher was not allowed to spread the good word in front of the market and he swore that the building would be destroyed by great winds, leaving only a single pillar, which should not be touched under threat of death. Mm. Uh, excuse me. The market was then, in fact, destroyed by a freak winter tornado. Winter tornado. Which left that's nothing different. but this. I'm wondering if that's a blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it says. Winter tornado. Uh, which left nothing but the single column standing. Local tradition still says that if a person touches the pillar, they will perish shortly after. Allegedly, several attempts to remove the pillar have resulted in death shortly thereafter. But the pillar collapsed in December 2016 after a car accident, 
And as of Mm. 2019, it still hadn't been rebuilt, but a stump remained and people are still scared to touch it. I mean, I wouldn't take my chances either. Mm -hmm. So in 1971, two young boys in, I think it was England. Can't find where the fuck it says. England, Scotland. They found two little uh, carved stone heads. Mm-hmm. And they looked like they had once been connected to something, but had been taken off. So descriptions of the heads from those who had held them varied widely, wildly, but generally were regarded as being palm-sized, a little smaller than a tennis ball. And people ended up gendering them. One was a boy and the other a girl. Which I don't mm-hmm. uh, The mm-hmm. urban prehistorian writing about Paul Scott Greetings 2010 but quest for the oh I didn't even say what the fuck these were the hexam heads whoa yeah so the book was called quest for the hexam heads explaining that one was known as the boy with hair modeled in stripes running from front to back the other is treated less favorably in hexam heads literature dubbed depending on the source as the girl old woman or hag whose characteristics include wildly bulging eyes and, according to Don Robbins, a strong beaked nose. Jeez. So the discovery, like, hit the fucking newspapers and, like, all these specialists and prehistory and archaeologists and people, like, they were fucking looking at all this shit. They were trying to um, date them and do all of that shit. But, okay, so before that, though, once they were in the house, like, once the kids had brought them in the house, the heads were, like, weird shit started happening. So Mm. the heads were moved by unseen hands and bottles were violently thrown across rooms. Not only did it affect that house, but the house next door as well. The neighbors, their young son had his hair pulled by ghostly hands and his mother, Nellie, reported to have seen a strange goat man figure leaving the house. Oh. And after becoming quite the local curiosities, the heads were passed on to expert to expert in Celtic artifacts, Dr. Anne Ross. While the heads were in her possession, she reported to have woken one morning and saw a part wolf, not a goat this time. Things are escalating. <laughs> wolf part man figure leaving her bedroom ew following it through the house she tracked it to the kitchen after which it disappeared oof shortly afterwards her daughter bernice recounted a similar experience and after coming home from school she saw a werewolf-esque creature leap from the stairs and and into a corridor before disappearing the doctor skinwalker dude The doctor also reported to have experienced other phenomena, such as her study door flying open with no apparent cause, the appearance of a dark figure, and the frequent sensation of a cold figure beside her. Oh, my God, that scared me. Oh, that scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh God. Um, After removing them from our house, the two heads, the incidents promptly... Promptly? (laughs) (laughs) Promptly? Promptly stopped. Pimply. Ew. After being passed from expert <laughs> to expert, the heads fell into the hands 
of Southampton University and then into, uh, I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't think they, they meant to say that. <laughs> okay, so they moved on to somebody else in 1978 and were promptly lost <laughs> thereafter. The exact location mm. and guardian of the heads today is unknown. Whoa. Now, the next is the Prague Astronomical Clock. Whoa. Yes. Set in the 15th century, when the clock is said to have been created by the great clockmaker, it it says Nicholas, but I don't know if it's pronounced Nicholas and it's just spelled this way. So well, maybe I should... I don't know. What should I do? What should I do? Should I do? <laughs> he should remain unnamed. Okay. <laughs> okay, well. I'm maybe gonna... it is Mikolas. Maybe mm-hmm. that used to be. Maybe that's what Mickey is Nicholas. short for. <laughs> Mickey. We're going to call him Mickey. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So. Okay, such was the reputation of his craftsmanship that Mickey was approached by many a foreign nation, each wishing to have its own town square topped with a marvelous astronomical clock. Mickey refused to show the plans of his masterpiece to anyone, but word got back to the Prague counselors and overcome with fear that Mickey might build a bigger, better, and more beautiful clock for another nation. The counselors had the brilliant clockmaker blinded with a fucking hot poker. Oh, God. Um, ensuring that their clock would never be topped. Jeez. Driven mad, <laughs> the clockmaker. Your clock will never again tick tock. Oh, stop it. It becomes a poem. Tick tock. <laughs> when it starts singing fucking. The original Kesha song. Yes. Tick. What the fuck did she say? Tick tock. Tick tock on the clock. Um, that the party but- don't stop. Some shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I danced to that at one time. I cringely enough wanted that to be my intro song whenever I walked into the Keens, my Keensit. When she says that. <laughs> the, the party, party don't, don't start till I walk in. <laughs> Exactly. I'm so glad I didn't. You know what? That's instead cute. we just uh, we just um, the one cringe thing that happened was I picked all the right moves by One Republic for my. Are you fucking performance. serious right now? I swear I was a. I guess I'm. A, that technically counts as an emo. It does. Mexican. I mean, what other? All the Mexicans that were at my thing were like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, they're not used to. It. Anywho, don't worry. I made it up with the merengue version of "Walk It Out." Oh my god. <laughs> I wish I could have gone to see that live. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> um, okay, driven mad, the clockmaker took the ultimate revenge, throwing himself into his extraordinary work of art, gumming up the clock's gears, and ending his own life in one stroke. Oh, he literally threw himself in there. Oh, oh, and oh, the cogs like broke him into pieces. Yeah. In doing so, he cursed the clock. All who tried to fix it would either go insane or die. And apparently, okay, so when you look at the clock, you'll see there's the three main mechanisms, which are mm. the astronomical dial, a calendar mm. with medallions, and the walk of the apostles. 
So the astronomical dial is located at the top and it shows the position of the sun and moon, the zodiac ring, the old check time scale to indicate the time of sunset and other astronomical details. The calendar with medallions is located below representing the months and the walk of the apostles shows figures of the apostles at the hour, every hour, as well as the figure of death represented as a skeleton. And I'm looking at it. According to another legend, the skeleton has the power of foretelling the future and says that the city will suffer if the clock is damaged for a long time. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That's really intense. Yep. Spooky. Um, and for the very last, it is the, because of the fucking Dybbuk box being sold on eBay and shit, um, I found a list from bloodydisgusting.com. It's the mm-hmm. 13 of the strangest, creepiest haunted objects we found on eBay. And I'm only going to say what they, I'm not going to go into detail what the fuck they, like their story or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's a fucking stormtrooper that's haunted, like a figurine of a stormtrooper. Whoa. There's a fucking ritual goblet. Like, I don't... Ew. There is um, two dolls that are titled Jack and Jill, but they're in, like, wedding attire. Mm. And they're supposed to be, like, possessed. Ew. And there's asylum knobs. Like, knobs that were indoors at a... At the uh, hospital? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (gasps) I believe that. Yep. Um, creepy yeah and somebody I was like why the fuck is that even scary and then they said in the thing these literally opened the doors to some disturbing procedures that seem that sent screams echoing through the entire place so yeah um well that makes sense but oh dang yeah I don't know would you take your chances if something said cursed on it absolutely not no because people could just be lying like oh this is a cursed hairbrush but it's just like a regular ass hairbrush but I still wouldn't want to be buying anything like that yeah no Mm-mm. oh yeah i like watching videos of people who order that stuff and then open it yes and- the, so yeah the divic fucking boxes are why is this not charging oh no <laughs> no oh there it is I my it. fucking computer oh. was gonna die okay no um and then there's a fucking one of those porcelain clowns oh. that i spoke about before there's a fucking mm-hmm. A nun doll and the but it's like an actual nun, not the scary one. But she doesn't mm-hmm. have a head. Ew. Yeah. That's that's horrible. And then there's a there's Dybbuk box that's it looks pretty cool. But yeah, it's the kind that everyone's doing, the unboxing ones. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like sealed with wax and shit. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. And then there's a voodoo doll. That actually Whoa. looks really scary because it's like a big one. Oh. Yeah. And then a haunted doll in a box. And it's literally, it's just a picture of the box. And the there's a warning that says, warning, do not break inner seal for any reason. If you let the spirit of the doll escape, strange things will happen. 
and it's in fucking Comic Sans. So <laughs> great. Do that what you will. Interesting. There's Dybbuk dolls. The rushing, the Russian nesting dolls have things oh. in each of them. Oh. Uh. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah, but cursed. And then there's a crystal skull necklace that is apparently uh, it takes over your thoughts. It literally mm. like possesses you. That's fucking creepy. Wow. And then there's some sort of Sasquatch looking thing that I don't I don't know what's wrong with this. I don't <laughs> know what's wrong with this. But it looks fucking scary. But yeah, people are fucking weird and they they literally did what that guy they're doing what that guy did in 2001 on eBay. Hmm. What Kevin yeah. whatever the fuck with the Divic box, they're literally doing the same shit. Yeah. Mhm. Anybody will do anything for money sometimes. I mean, if people are dumb enough to buy that shit, um yeah. Yeah, maybe a curse should befall them. Mm-hmm. Jeremy wanted for to their buy curiosities. You told me that. I and did. I was I like, did great idea. Like, yeah, no, fuck that. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. Those are chances that are. Because, oh, because who would notice it first? Lilith. Stop it. Barking at the corner and shit. Dude, and she's already, she's become very whiny. And mm. I keep telling him. He thinks it's because of the mice that are starting to come in now that it's getting colder. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm like, maybe there's something else coming in with those mice. Right. she will lose her absolute shit if we walk into a different room. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not every time. It's just sometimes. And then she'll right. like freak out. She'll just randomly bark at the laundry room. Like, Ew. Yeah, I don't know. What if she's like, don't leave me alone in here with Dude, them? Dude, that's exactly what I think. And she yeah. will act like scared sometimes. And it's weird. It's weird. But I try She'll to- she'll feed off of your energy. Like if, well, they're in here with me and so are those ghosts. They're not scared of them. So as long as my owners are in here with me, we're cool. But no, yeah. I think it was actually yesterday. We were sitting on the couch and she was sitting on me basically. And she was mm-hmm. looking towards where the stairs are to come down to my room. And- mm-hmm. She looked away and then she looked back over there like something had called her. Like her ears went up and I was like, bitch, don't do that. Oh my goodness. And, I was like, and she got closer to me like, what is that? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh God. Yeah. Dogs know. They know something. Except for Sassy. She fucking could sleep through a fucking tornado. She's like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a winter tornado. She's like, I'm retired. <laughs> She's like, you're up, kid. It's your turn. Earn your keep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> but that's it. And that's my super short show. Oh, what's that from? The super short show? Super short show. Uh, short, it was short, on I can't even. Disney Channel. Oh, cute. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, speaking of Disney, um, Hunter just finished playing through House of Ash. It's this like horror game, and Ashley Tisdale was in it, and she was an icon. Oh shit. I was just about to tell you the cool. little girl that dances in um, the Missy Elliott videos, like Get Your Freak On. Yeah. That little girl, mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. was on 
Mike's super short show. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, she's a nice. Yes, she's cool. She can dance still. Yeah, she can. I think she has a TikTok. She does YouTube. I think she does like yoga and stuff on there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Very cool. (gasps) All right. I saw old. What did you think? What did you think? Fuck, dude. Some of it was fucked up. Yeah. And then the bones breaking. Oh, hell. Dude, that was scary. I legit was scared. Everybody has a fear of being old. So the, all the fears that that come with that just came true in there. It was heartbreaking. It was just fucked up that he didn't revert back to child. I thought it was going to. I, I honestly know. thought it was like a simulation. I hoped it was right. a simulation. Yeah, like once they're off the island, it's back to normal. Yeah, but that's no, what I your hope. years escape you. And then it didn't. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, but I did like the idea of that actually happening, just not to me. <laughs> right. Because it was research. for scientific purposes. Yes, I wanted yeah. the research to happen, just not to me. Dang. Dang. Well, everybody who wanted to see that, hopefully we didn't spoil anything, but you probably would have seen it by now if you wanted to. Um, other than that, yeah, I recommend seeing it because it definitely gives gives you some ideas on aging and what can happen. And oh, good Lord. It was so sad. They were like forgetting each other and stuff. Oh, dude, that was super sad. And I like cuddled up to Jeremy because they were sitting there staring at the water in the dark. Yeah. They were just in each other's company. Oh, whenever he dies first and then she dies, I was like, no. Dude, honestly, yeah, I was devastated. And also I was, I had like a bunch of edibles, remember? So I was freaking the fuck out during that whole movie because it just kept intensifying. And I was like, what's happening? Please. I was also under the influence. So I was like, I shouldn't have watched this like this. I should have been stone killed sooner. Eh, right. That's how I should have watched I feel like it. I but I wouldn't have liked it as much though. If I yeah, it was very it. intense. It really was. It really was. Mm. But yeah, pretty good. Um, I just watched Halloween Kills. Oh wait, is that the new one? Yes. Um, if you have Peacock, it's streaming for premium. But uh, we went to the movies, and I had a blast. But a lot of people hated it. So Jeremy who knows? Said it was good. He saw it. I didn't see it. I loved it. It was very repetitive. Like I know, I I know how people hate over explaining, but the kills just make it so that worth is watching. Exactly what he said too. The kills. Oh lord! <clears throat> We're gonna go see antlers. Oh <gasps> yes, that's gonna up. be a good one. That looks really scary. Like actually scary. Yeah, it comes I'm very out excited this for weekend. that too. Yeah, it mm-hmm. does. You're right. A lot of good movies coming out. It's almost um, award season, so all the good movies are coming out now. Oh, something just <clears> crawled <throat> on my foot. Ooh. It's a spider. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, back. I'm happy to be back where the bugs are. Oh, well, there was no bugs? No, but now there's plenty. I shined a light on the wall, and this weird centipede thing squiggled into a hole, <laughs> and I said, ah, yes. <laughs> I'm home. Hunter said, fuck that. And he started scooting away. It's literally like a horror movie whenever they're in a cave and they shine the light on something and you barely catch a glimpse of it. (laughs) Bugs. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed our little Halloween extravaganza double double episode this week. Let us know what you think. Do you believe in curses? Do you not? Hit us up on Instagram at Gimme the Creeps. 
And uh, on Twitter, get, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think about our work so far. We are excited to get back into the groove of things every week. You can expect us to have an episode out every Friday. So thank you guys so much for listening. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. Did we give you the creeps?